Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You are listening to the 3 and D podcast. I am your host, Justin Lewis. As always, you can find the podcast on Twitter at 3 and Pod. We are part of the Grizzly Bear Blues network of podcasts. You can find Grizzly Bear Blues on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. Find us online at grizzlybearblues.com. Make sure you check out the other podcasts, uh, GBB Live, the Core 4 podcast, and the Starting 5 podcast. Uh, tonight, we're coming to you directly after the overtime victory against the Brooklyn Nets. That doesn't feel like much of a victory. Joining me tonight is Mr. Ben Hogan. How are you, Ben? Um, I'm doing all right, all things considered. How are you doing? Uh, same. I'm right there with you. Um, and also with us is Ms. Leanna Ritter. How are you? Um, I've seen better days, but at least we got a win. So I'll take it as it comes. Uh, I'm, I'm with both of you. Um, since the last episode where we had Mr. Hasseltine on, we've had three games. Uh, we're one and two. I think in my mind, I was expecting that we could be three and oh, um, but this is where we are. Our defense has struggled. Um, we are the third highest scoring team in the NBA so far this season, yet we are one and two, which screams your defense isn't doing their job. Um, so we're going to skip the San Antonio game. We're going to jump right into Atlanta. And this is a question that I'm going to ask both of you first. Ben, now that the Clippers are a different Clippers and the grit and grind era is over, does Memphis have that kind of rival again? Uh, I don't think that they have one yet. Uh, I know that there's a little push for New Orleans, Atlanta. I get it. Um, Trey Young kind of threw a little gas on the on the fire. Uh by tweeting about Grayson Allen, but the thing that made the Clippers deal so big was the playoff matchups, and the Grizzlies haven't had that playoff matchups. You take on those guys, you know, five, six, seven games, you get to know them a little more. These are just a couple games. Now, is it there's the potential there, yes, for Atlanta and New Orleans possibly, especially with John Zion, John Trey Young. I get that. But I don't think that there's one right now where we can say has reached that caliber of the Grizzlies-Clippers rivalry. Because I'm going to say, every Grizzly fan hated the Clippers. I don't know if there's a, every Grizzly fan hates the Hawks right now or hates the Pelicans right now. Um, so that's that's my answer on that one. Yeah, so I think that it's a lot of Grizzly fans are pissed off at Trey Young right now. Um, you only see them twice a year, so that's not really going to develop into a rivalry. 
Now, the Pelicans one is interesting. Um, a lot of it is just being, I think, angry at the exposure that Zion gets over Jaw um, by the national media, which is not Zion's fault at all. Um, so I, I, here's the question I'll ask for you, Leanna. If there is a rivalry to develop, do you think it's New Orleans or do you see somebody else in the West that, that could take that spot? Um, I don't really think so. I mean, I, I guess it makes sense, but that's more of a like anger towards, I guess, media and the NBA. But I don't, I don't know. I don't see one right now because I kind of agree. Like, I mean, every Grizzlies fan hated the Clippers. I still hate the Clippers, even though there's no reason to hate the Clippers. I still hate the Clippers. So, and I think, I think it, a lot of it has to do with not being in the playoffs. Um, I still, I mean, there's not really a team that just sticks out and says, I hate you because considering all things, we're not, we're still young. We have, we're plagued with injuries, clearly. I mean, it's kind of hard to hate somebody when a lot of it's our own problem. Yeah, so a secondary rival I think we had during the same time as the Clippers would be the San Antonio Spurs for kind of the oh, same yeah. reason. Like, we, it felt like you saw the Spurs and the Clippers every single year yes. in the playoffs. So, like, you hate the Spurs and you hate the Clippers. Oklahoma the Clippers City hate too, just much, Do what? I think Oklahoma City, too, at the time. Oh, yeah. You played them in the playoffs. They had Michael Westbrook, Nick Collison. You had these guys. You had villains. That's the right. thing. And there is one team that I do think if we saw them in the playoffs could potentially turn into that, and that's the Phoenix Suns. They have Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Joe Molnax's favorite, Jay Crowder. You know, I, I'm just saying there, there's the potential there I that, can see that. If, there, if you get into a playoff series with Phoenix, I could see that happening. But that's – there's nothing there right now. Right. right. And I, so, I think what makes that more interesting is the fact that they're adding the, the play in. And if that's something that maybe stays long term. Um, if they want to go with that seven to ten play-in through, you know, past this shortened season, I think Phoenix and Memphis would be two teams that would probably be consistently in that play-in, which would make it even more of a heated rivalry than a seven-game series. So that's right. a, that's a good one. Plus, Chris Paul is one of the main reasons we hated the Clippers, so it's only natural right. for that. Um, the Atlanta game was disappointing. The loss, um, I don't, I, I don't know what to really say other than the fact that our bench was atrocious. Um, but let's let's talk about Dylan Brooks for a second, um, and let's talk about Atlanta Hawks Dylan Brooks. We'll, we'll talk about uh, Brooklyn game Dylan later. Um, I, I'm going to go with Connor Dunning and say that you cannot put that loss on Dylan Brooks by himself because the bench was absolutely terrible, and Tyus Jones has been bad all three games this season. Brandon Clark wasn't good until tonight. Um, Gorey had his best game tonight. You're missing DeAnthony Melton. Um, the bench was a was a, probably a bigger factor in it than Brooks. But when you go eight for twenty three, that tells me at some point you should have stopped jacking up shots. And then you fouled out for the second straight game. And then finally, you had Jonas Valanciunas being guarded by either Johns Collins, who cannot guard him, or Bruno Fernando, who also cannot guard him. And Valanciunas takes. Six shots the entire game. Of course you lost when that happens. Jaw does what he's supposed to do at 28 points. Kyle, you probably could have asked a little bit more scoring out of, but he came out and said that he's, you know, he's trying to be more aggressive in that area. But 
Ben, has Dylan Brooks really learned anything from last year, or is that just like a like a like the dream Dylan Brooks, and we're just going to get what we're used to? Well, if we're talking Atlanta Dylan Brooks, then it looks like he hasn't learned anything. And the craziest thing about that game was the bench and Dylan Brooks succeeded together. There was a stretch in the late and third where they went on a 9-1 run where Dylan was with four guys from the bench. That's the only time that either of them did anything in the game. That's because it's where he belongs. I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I put that in the uh, in the report card that it may be something to explore once they get their guys back. Uh, but it, it, it did feel like last season, Dylan Brooks. It was the trick-or-treat. You, you see flashes of it, but at the, for the most part, he's committing bad fouls, taking bad shots, and trying to take over a game where he had no business in trying to take over. They were fine without him trying to take over. And as you mentioned, it took away from uh, Jonas six, six shots. I mean, he, he, he had his own problems as well. He seemed a little disinterested, but still – Bad shots taken by Dylan probably took some shots away from Jonas when he had the matchups all night long. Right. All right, listeners, I must warn you, uh, as I turn this over to Leanna to talk about Atlanta Hawks, uh, Dylan Brooks, that you may want to cover children's ears. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea what she's going to say, but we're going to give her a chance to be unfiltered and say how she feels about Dylan Brooks in the Atlanta Hawks game. So, uh, Leanna, let her rip. So – Based off tonight, it's hard to say exactly if he is the same Dylan Brooks. I think – I don't know if he's ever going to fully change. But I could get – I think I could get to a point where my hatred for him is not so strong if he could just stop taking stupid shots. If we could get to that, I can deal with the bad fouls, whatever. And also, like, taking over during Atlanta, absolutely right. There's no reason for him to try to play hero when when there's no reason for it. I mean, tonight it was a little different. I mean, somebody has to step up when jaw goes down. But I think I saw a different side of Dylan Brooks tonight that I had not seen before. And he played his tail off. Granted, he still made dumb shots, but I, I'm not going to say I like him because I definitely don't. <laughs> but I feel, I feel a little bit better about him being on my roster. I still want him on my bench, but I, I, think, I think it's a little different. I don't, I'm not going to say it's night and day, but I think it's a little different. Yeah, so uh, going to tonight's Dylan Brooks, I'm, you know, he – the first two shots he made went in, obviously, because he made them. The first two shots he took went in, and they were, they were mid-range. And what I look at with him is his balance when he shoots. Now, he, he makes some of the craziest wrong-footed layups I've ever seen, and he's consistent with it. So I'm not going to knock that. But the first two shots he hit were mid-range shots that when he jumped, he jumped straight up. The shots that kill me is when he comes curling around into the around the elbow and he's fading away, falling away from the basket, throwing it up. Because the third shot he took, well, I guess, was his idea of a heat check because, oh, I've already made two, so let me just take another one. He's falling away from the basket and he misses it. And I, and I said to Bryce Hayes on on Twitter, you know, people are – he's like, can't be pleased with Dylan Brooks. I am pleased with regulation Brooklyn Nets, Dylan Brooks tonight. 
Yes, he had five turnovers. Yes, he had five fouls. But Joe Molinak said, you, you live with Dylan, you die with Dylan. And, and that had to happen tonight. With Jaw going down, you, li- you live with Dylan, you die with Dylan. And the fact that he only had 19 shots shocks me because I would have totally been fine looking at the box score to see that he had 25 because it's what we needed. So you had that shot in overtime where um, Dylan airballed. And normally you're like, what a dumb shot. But what I saw out of that shot was he shot from an area on the floor that he very rarely shoots from. And it was more like a J.J. Redick, I'm running full speed, stop on a dime, pull up and shoot. And that's not his game either. He, if he's catching and shooting, he is standstill waiting on it. Or if he's shooting, he's dribbling and pulling up. It's like, I'm not going to knock him. But overtime, Dylan Brooks was tragic. Absolutely tragic. You have to play through Kyle and, and Jonas Valanciunas based on the games that they were having. Um, and it seemed like he was doing a little too much to force it. Ben, did you see at the end of regulation when uh, – I think it was eight seconds left to go – Dylan was guarding the ball, and he was yelling at Tyus to come foul the guy in a tie game. Yeah. It's, it's funny because, like, you want to say that he has no awareness of what's going on, but he is aware that he has five fouls. So he was trying <laughs> to make sure he didn't foul out. But, but he also the, wasn't aware that the game was tied at that point. You have to know that. But that's the Dylan Brooks conundrum. He is aware of yeah. himself. Like, right, right. He is always aware of himself. Um, and it's the first thing he didn't foul out in regulation, so you got bad Dylan in overtime. Right. So, let's – Leanna, do you have anything else you want to say about Dylan Brooks before we move on to the rest of the game? Honestly, I'm with you. If if every game was like regulation Brooklyn Nets with Dylan Brooks, I I wouldn't be the captain of Dylan Brooks' hating fan club. I really wouldn't. I'd, I'd, I'd let the guy go. <laughs> <laughs> so – Something that I noticed that Ben brought up, that, that 9-1 run in the Hawks game where he was with the bench, I, didn't, I haven't looked at the numbers with the lineup he was with tonight on the bench, but I, I do remember at one point in the third quarter, the bench with Dylan Brooks was going on a decent little run again tonight. And it, and it seems like he, that's where he belongs because he, he can be the guy that – jacks up shots on that second unit um, right so something that's interesting it was the overtime starting lineup and that excluded Grayson Allen do we think that the Grayson Allen starting at shooting guard experiment may come to an end soon is it Desmond Bain time Ben I don't know if it, it, it's three games in and I mean, if you look at Twitter, everybody is just overreacting left and right after one, two, three games. Right. But you may see his minutes get cut. I, I don't know if they take him out of the starting lineup, but I could see his minutes getting cut. And, you know, you got D'Anthony Melton, too, who has not – who did not play, and he'll be coming back. So you may see some of Grayson's starting minutes kind of go to Bain or Melton, and we'll see how long Jaws out. Obviously, we'll probably discuss that here in just a little bit. But still, I can see his minutes getting cut. I don't know if they necessarily take him out of the starting lineup. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think with – so here, here's, here's the question for you then. Say uh, we're, we're looking – I'm going to say six weeks down the road and you're fully healthy. Jaws back, Jaren's back, Justice is back. Is this the Kyle Anderson that we paid for? 
Like, is this what we thought we were getting when we spent three years, nine million per year on him? This is better. Better? I, I think this that's is, better. It's, this is better. I mean, this is the Kyle Anderson the Spurs drafted out of UCLA, and they, they let him go. I mean, I, I think the Grizzlies got a deal, at least right now. And also, he's been the main guy that people have been discussing as trading sometime during the season, and he's making himself look good, and this is helping out the Grizzlies not only on the court, but also if they trade him. His trade value is skyrocketing right now. So, Leanna, I, I'll give you this side. We don't know what this team looks like with Justice Winslow because we've never seen it. So, when we're fully healthy, do we keep Kyle in the starting lineup at the three next to Jaron with all that he's doing right now? Or do we, do we roll out the Justice Winslow experiment in full force? I don't know. I'm, I like comfort. <laughs> I like knowing what I'm getting. Um, so, personally, I think – keep things the way they are for the time being. I mean, until he starts sucking, <laughs> which I kind of feel like is inevitable. But, like, I mean, if it works, if, if it's not broke, don't fix it. I'm going to tell you this. If a player sucks, Leanna is going to make sure everybody knows. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I, I was talking about it during the game. I was like, he's, like, my least favorite Grizzlies player. And my boyfriend was like, are you talking about Dylan Brooks? I was like, no. He's like, where's Dylan Brooks? I was like, he's not even on the list of least favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so, like Ben said, like everybody has Kyle as a guy to be traded. And I'm one of those guys, like the first name on the list, even before Dylan Brooks, is like Kyle Anderson has to go. Like he doesn't fit the style, doesn't fit yeah. the scheme. And honestly, at the three, I'm not sure that he still does. But what we closed with was him at the three, and he guarded Karis LeVert and did it pretty well. Um, there at the end of the game but you know full you know for a full season can he play at the three like I still am not sure but the fact that he can play defense if that shot is there and can spread the floor and his secondary playmaking like now I'm like all right hold up do 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 I want to trade Kyle Anderson because I don't think Conchar can give what Anderson's given right now um, Bain is still not the playmaker that he would need to be uh, he's a little loose on his dribble the dribble's not tight enough um, for him to do that like I'm liking Kyle Anderson so now I'm gonna throw this one at you I'm gonna I'm gonna roll to Ben on this one do you remember the most fun stretch of basketball that Justice Winslow ever had in the NBA no <laughs> <laughs> do you know what position he played during that fun stretch uh no I'm what the three the four? point guard what wow okay Goran Dragic went down for the Miami Heat, and Spolster decided to roll Justice Winslow out at point guard. John Morant's x-rays came back negative tonight. Thank goodness. He doesn't have a fracture in his ankle. Um, but my guess is it's probably a high ankle sprain um, that, based on the way the Grizzlies are handling Jaron Jackson, they're going to make sure that Jaw is all the way healed. They're not going to rush him back because they're not in the same situation that Dallas was last year with Luka who kept rolling that ankle trying to make the playoffs. Like, we're in a position where we can just sit back and let Jaw fully heal from this high ankle sprain, which could take up to two months. Justice is due back any, t any day now based on the early season report. Um, do we keep Tyus on the bench and we roll out Justice Winslow at the point guard? I mean, we could also even suggest Kyle. 
because he has the ball handling skills. So you could roll both of them out together and not necessarily have a true point guard in the lineup and keep Tyus on the bench because I, I still think that Tyus is best coming off the bench. I understand that if Jaws out for a while, the easy thing to do is just roll out Tyus Jones at point guard, but then you run into a problem as we saw a little, I mean, without Tyus in the bubble, I mean, we saw problems with the bench point, point guard play. So we got, you got to figure out something there. And maybe it is roll out Justice and Kyle uh, or stagger them a little bit. If you do start Tyus, stagger them with the bench. I don't know, but it is worth considering. I think. Because they, I mean. Yeah, yeah. I, I think if you can, like you're saying, if you combine Kyle and Justice and then you got Grayson still in the starting lineup, you got three guys that can bring the ball up and initiate the offense. Um, and, and I think even Dylan Brooks at times could do the same thing. Um, and you keep Tyus on the bench and Melton hopefully will be back from whatever it is that's going on with him uh, soon. So, Leanne, I'm, I'm going to throw this question at you. There was talks about in the offseason that the Grizzlies should sign a third point guard. Um, they didn't do that. Now you're looking at, do we flip Gorgie Jang for a point guard in the, in the interim while Jaw is out? Do we bring up Ahmad Caver um, from the G League and put him on the roster? Uh, what, what do you think needs to happen with, let's just assume that Jaw is out for six to eight weeks? I don't know. Um, I do like – I like Tyus off – the bench I know that for a fact so I don't want him to be starting point guard for any reason um I don't know I don't know how I feel about that that makes me uncomfortable to think about it long term (laughs) like it's really sitting in um I don't know what do you think so I think that I'd like to see Winslow come back within a week or so you just kind of make do until he's back and he's ready and you roll him out there and you just got three guys that can initiate the offense no true point guard because if you look at the Miami Heat right now they're not rolling out with a true point guard in starting lineup Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson are starting with Jimmy Butler and Myers Leonard and Bam Adebayo Um, so they've got you know no true point guard so it it can be done so I'd like honestly to um, possibly let Zaire Smith kind of come up and get some run. Um, I don't know if that would even be possible, but I just don't. Unless you're trading somebody like uh, Jang, then you're going to have to find something from within, and I think the answer starts with um, Winslow. Ben, what do you think? you think we should trade for a third-point guard um, or, or roll with what we got and make it work? I think we need to roll with what we got, make it work. Um, I don't think you need to make a desperation trade right now because maybe you can package uh, Jang and Kyle Anderson later in the year and get something better than a third point guard. Plus, if Jaws only out for a couple weeks, I mean, you just traded pretty much for nothing and you got a guy on the bench that's not going to get that much playing time either. Yeah, I mean, I kind of want to see what – the deal is with jaw first before I, but I don't think it's worth trading, especially if it's short term, which I'm hopeful it is. 
So this is where I, I, I'm going with on it is short term, short term or long term. Don't make a trade. Uh, you can trade uh, Jang's expiring contract at the trade deadline. Somebody is going to want it. Um, get some assets. I, I think if Jaws out eight months or not eight months, eight weeks, um, you go into asset. Yeah, <laughs> you go into asset acquisition mode. Um, and then everybody's favorite color for Memphis should become green um, because that would be Jalen Green becoming a Memphis Grizzly if Jaw is out eight weeks and Jaron's not due back probably for another four or so. Um, I'm not saying that we tank, but we're just not going to be a good enough basketball team, especially in the Western Conference, uh, to not be a high lottery pick. Um, I don't know. That's just me. I mean, yeah, I, I, I see that. It's just – I don't know. I don't want to think about job being out for eight weeks. I mean, it, this season was already like can they or can they not get the playoffs? And then without Ja, it's kind of like, okay. And I, I'm just wondering like fan interest even, like where does that go with the Grizzlies if Ja's out for an extended period of time? I mean, they were going to stick with it just to watch Ja play. And now it's like we're back to where we were two, three years ago. Yeah, I yeah. don't want to be there. <laughs> no, and, and, and no one does. And, and you hate to see something like that happen, too. It's like somebody said the basketball gods uh, just can't ever let Memphis have something nice uh, on Twitter. And that's what it kind of feels like. Like, we get this absolute budding superstar that has controlled uh, the game since he – like, when he's on the court, the Grizzlies are the better team than whoever they've been against so far this year. Um, now, I think the Grizzlies got lucky tonight. Uh, they obviously come and play with a lot of emotion. But if you look at Karis LeVert's stats for tonight, like it, even the eye test, he shot 12 for 29. If Karis LeVert has a normal Karis LeVert game, the Grizzlies are going to lose by double digits, maybe even with Josh still on the floor. Like, And what was killing me early was we knew going into this game, all they had was Lavert and Joe Harris. And who was tearing us up early in the game? Freaking Joe Harris. Like, you've got two guys that you have to guard, and that's it. And then where the heck did Timothy Luau Cabrera learn how to shoot? Because all I remember in Philadelphia was you couldn't play the guy. He was just a defense-only guy. And now all of a sudden this dude's a freaking sniper. Um, the Grizzlies definitely dodged one, but if you're looking at job being out for eight weeks, then I'm just like, dang, what a waste of a win. Like, I don't want to be in the win column for, with this. Like, give me another L so I can be higher in the lottery. But right. we were seventh last year in the lottery and, and or two years ago and jumped to two. So you never know what's going to happen with that. Um, ben, three games in, take away the, the jaw injury. What's your big takeaway from the beginning of the season? That's not an overreaction like um, the rest of Grizzlies Twitter is having. Well, it, I mean, obviously, I think it's Kyle Anderson. Uh, also, I think uh, Jonas, I, he's surprised. He's got, I think he's got three double-doubles in three games. Uh, last game, it felt like it was an empty double-double. And it just, I don't know. You got to get more out of him, I think, every night. He can't take games off, especially if, with Ja being out. And I love Jonas. I mean, we both feel like he's one of the most underrated players in the league. But I, I feel like we need to get more from him this year. Seems like he's coming in a little bit. Maybe it's off season, kind of took a little out of him. I don't know. But we need to get more from him every night. We need more of, like, tonight he seemed interested. 
two nights ago or two games ago, he seemed disinterested. I mean, I, and he should have dominated. Like, games he should dominate. Games where he has the matchups, he should dominate, and we should see that. And that's really kind of my big takeaway. And obviously, I mean, the bench, they played a decent tonight. Um, but Taylor Jenkins needs to figure out a rotation and stick with it also. Yeah, so so tonight the bench he played, coach went 10 deep again. Um, and let's see, Clark was even in a plus minus. You could, you could kind of tell that with the eye test. He had um, 16 points and seven rebounds. That's, that's what you'll take from a guy off the bench. It's kind of what you expect him to do. He is above 50% in his shooting. Um, his free throw shooting was atrocious, but, you know, we'll, that'll fix itself. Uh, Gorgie was uh, minus four with seven points and five rebounds. You know, I like him as our backup big. Some people really don't. Um, it'll be interesting to see when, when Jackson's back if he kind of gets phased out some. Um, Tyus Jones was a minus eight, which was worse on the team. Um, I think he's been the worst on the team maybe all three games. Um, he shot 33%, and uh, he only had one turnover. Like, he's not going to turn the ball over, but it's just at 35 minutes, you're a minus eight. You're not going to win many games like that. Um, Desmond Bain, this one's crazy. He's a minus six, um, but I think that's more of a product of just maybe being on the floor at the same time as Tyus Jones and Gorgie Jane. Um, and then Conchar was actually a plus one because – He's kind of like a D'Anthony Melton. He's going to do everything uh, for you. Allen was the worst starter at plus one. He went 0 for 5 from the field and 0 for 4 um, from three. And then um, you had Dylan led the team at a plus 15. But that that those five turnovers and five fouls are not okay um, ever, no matter what your plus minus is or how many points you score. That's, that's 10 negative basketball plays um, that have to be cut down on. And then Valanciunas with the 14 and 14. Uh, I'm with you on Valanciunas. It seems like he should have been at like 20 and 14. And going forward, he's going to have to be at 20 and 14 um, for the Grizzlies to have any type of success without Morant um, playing. Leanna, what are your takeaways from the first three games um, of the season that are not some hyperbolic overreaction? Um. So – if you'd asked me earlier today before this game, I would have said, you know, just kind of see what happens tonight. We lost two games that we shouldn't have lost. Um, and while that sucks, it happens when you're playing inconsistent basketball. And you can't play consistent basketball when you don't have consistent lineups. So that's kind of a problem in itself. But everyone on Grizzlies Twitter is talking about tanking. And I was like, you guys are insane. It's game three. Now, I'm not saying we should tank, but depending on what happens with Jaw, it's kind of up in the air on how I feel on that. Um, I'm impressed with Kyle Anderson, and after tonight, this is God strike me down for all the horrible things that I've said about Dylan Brooks. I was optimistic. Um, and it's next man up mentality. I mean, people have got to step up. Yeah, so the, the next man up mentality is kind of what scares me because we go into a stretch now where it's Boston, Charlotte, L.A., L.A. A rough stretch. Cleveland, Brooklyn, Cle and Cleveland is 3-0. and um, It's rough. Yeah, I mean, our schedule, 
there's no let up like until January 27th when you play Chicago. Um, and so my concern with the next man, man up mentality is of course, Dylan Brooks. And uh, are we releasing him to be okay with 20 shots a game? And like, I feel like as much as I hate that number for him, I have to be okay with it, you know, right now, because yeah. that is, that's, that's where we're at. Um, what I want to see from Dylan in this stretch where he's probably going to be a go-to scorer is on the night that he doesn't have it, how is he going to respond? Is he going to continue to try to make plays for his teammates? That's, that's my biggest issue with him. That's my biggest issue. Right. So I saw a play tonight where um, somebody cut baseline and Dylan had a nice dish um, as he was cutting across the free throw line. And I was just like, that's a great play. But then the five turnovers – People have to understand, like, his mentality, his skill set, um, his giftedness is not in the playmaking department. Um, so if we're, if we're begging for Brooks to be more of a playmaker, we're going to have to live with turnovers um, as well because he had some inerrant passes that were like, hey, what are you doing? That's, you know, <laughs> that's not going to work. But I guess it's like you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like, you can't expect Dylan Brooks to turn into Morant or Tyus Jones and not have turnovers. Um, ben, heading into this stretch with two road games at Boston and Charlotte and then back-to-back home games. So b- before we record next week, we will have played at Boston, at Charlotte, and then Mark Gasol will make his return to Memphis um, on Sunday the, the 3rd. And then – so that three-game stretch. What do you want to see over that three-game stretch um, other than the – um, return to Memphis for Mark? Uh, over that three-game stretch, I'd like to see Taylor Jenkins, co- the coach, just kind of figure out what he's doing with rotations. I think he's doing a lot of mixing and matching right now, and I know it's going to be a little tougher uh, with Jai out because I'm, I'm, I'm going ahead and assuming that Jai is not going to play in those three games. I think that's safe to assume right there. But I would like to see him come up with some type of rotation and stick with it and figure that out because I think – at least bring some consistency to the team without their superstar to do it. I think that will help out a lot um, during his absence. I'm, I'm not expecting uh, a win. Uh, there's a possibility that you could maybe get one against Charlotte. I don't know, but uh, I, I'm, I'm guessing 0 and 3. But still, I think just getting some consistency uh, in the lineups and getting guys used to playing with each other, I think that will help a lot. All right, I, I, I'll say what I want to see, and then I'll go to Leanna. In these three games, Valanciunas is going to be matched up against either Tristan Thompson or Robert Williams in Boston, uh, P.J. Washington in Charlotte because Cody Zeller is out, and then Marcus Gasol in the Los Angeles game. And I think that's three matchups that favor Valanciunas. You know, Gasol at this stage in his career um, is not somebody that's going to be really able to guard um, Valanciunas the way he used to. Uh, P.J. Washington is as, as a power forward as they come and cannot bang with Valanciunas unless they play Biombo. And I still like that matchup um, of J.V. over Biombo and then J.V. over Tristan Thompson. Um, he'll have to work hard on the glass against Thompson. But I think he's he is the best player in his matchup the next four games at least. Uh, and I want to see him demand the ball, be aggressive, and attack. Uh, I want to see Valanciunas lead this team in shots. Um, do I think that's going to happen? Absolutely not, because we still have um, <laughs> Mr. Superstar in his own head uh, on the team that will be taking those shots. 
So, Leanna, these this three game stretch before next uh, the next recording, what do you want to see from the team? Um, I would just like to not lose by double digits the next three games. Honestly, I mean that would be a win for me. No, but I I agree. I think consistency is the biggest. I mean I, that's a bit, been the biggest issue this entire time. Um, you can't play consistent basketball if you don't have consistent rotations. You can't. It's especially when half the team is plagued with injuries. It, it's just not going to happen. So if they can survive and find some kind of normal, then I'll be content with that. Yeah, and I think it's going to be funny that the national headlines can be something like, uh, without Durant and Irving, the Nets lose to the Grizzlies. Well, what they don't understand is we're without two starters as well. They're not superstar all-war all players, but no. like – But they're Jog, important. <laughs> yeah, Jaw goes down in the second quarter. Jaron Jackson Jr. is out, like – there's, there's, those are star players. One's about to be a superstar soon. Um, so, yeah, the injuries are a big deal. Um, so, make it through this next week healthy. Get a diagnosis on jaw um, and figure out what we're going to do rotationally. Uh, I, I would love to see Winslow come back in the next three games and see finally what he can do. Um, but this is Memphis basketball, right? Like, <laughs> this is good. <laughs> you get used to it. Yeah, we do. All right. Um, ben, I got to write a report card tonight on tonight's game. Um, obviously, Kyle Anderson gets the highest grade. Who would you get the second highest grade to? Um, can we go regulation Dylan? Regulation Dylan, that's fair. Leanna, who would you get the second highest grade to? This is going to hurt me to say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, don't make me say it. <laughs> oh, you got to say it. Oh, God. Dylan Brooks. Regulation Dylan Brooks. Regulation Dylan Brooks. I'll, I'll make sure part. I throw – I'll make sure I throw in an F for overtime Dylan Brooks just for you. Please, because <laughs> that, that was painful. To swallow my pride, it was a little painful. <laughs> All right. Well, for um, Ben and for Leanna, this has been another episode of the 3 and D podcast. Uh, make sure you check out all the podcasts on the Grizzly Bear Blues Network of Podcasts. Um, make sure you check out the Grizzlies this week. Um, they play on Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. Maybe we can come back next Sunday with some great news. So until next week, it's been a good night. <laughs>